The first time I ever visited Mostar was as a kid. It was like entering a time warp. Mostar's architecture reflects its Ottoman history, and there's a commotion of crosses and crescents, demonstrating its historic role as a bridge between East and West. But Mostar was the most heavily bombed city during the Bosnian War of the 1990s. When Croatian forces destroyed the 16th century stone-arched bridge that spans the river that divides the town, the bridge became a sort of poster child for the ugliness of war. When it fell into the river, it felt as if Mostar had lost its soul. The bridge has since been rebuilt, and now it's protected as a World Heritage Site. To guide us into one of the Balkans' most interesting and complicated cities, we're joined now by my co-author of the Rick Steves Eastern Europe and Croatia and Slovenia guidebooks, Cameron Hewitt. Cameron visits the region every year for his research. Sanel Marge works as a tour guide for visitors to his home country of Bosnia-Herzegovina. He's also started an after-school program that helps the young people of Mostar learn to live and work together 25 years after the bloody conflict had their parents and grandparents literally killing each other. Cameron and Sunel join us now to explore what Mostar offers to visitors and how the city stands as a symbol of reconciliation. Sunel and Cameron, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Good to be here. Sunel, tell us a little bit about your work in a non-government organization uh, helping kids grow up um, comfortable in their environment. Well, the thing is, there's still, like in any other place, media does a lot of damage to everybody. So we are trying to remove them from everyday political life in a sense, show them through certain actions, you know, how things can be done in a more understanding and better way. So we have kids from all different backgrounds and Mainly, we are focusing on the kids with a lower social status because they are the most vulnerable ones. And we work with them, you know, we have workshops, we have sessions. I took kids from all around the Europe just to give them a glimpse that things are not as bad as it seems now. There's like all different colors, you know, in the spectrum, and it's not so black and white. And we're trying to prove them with our personal examples how can people with different backgrounds and different ethnical religious views work together and have a normal, decent life. So this tragic war in, in Bosnia was uh, a result of different uh, religious and ethnic groups that yeah. came to blows. And today, their children are living side by side, and social media and the aggressive news mm-hmm. uh, keep them not empathizing with the other group. What's an example of how media could cause problems for a child in Bosnia? As soon as we start talk about, you know, in a sense, us and them whoever right. us and them was, there you have a problem. You know, we are not talking about kids, it's kids. And there's a lot of these things in media when you are starting, like, addressing certain politicians by Bosnian Croat or Bosnian Serb or Bosniak, raising identity, who is who. We like to call it like you are counting a blood cells of somebody, you know. Let me check your DNA. Are you a proper Bosnian or a Croat? So nobody cares, you know. It's whether you are a good person, are you good at your job, what you're doing, you know. These are the things that should matter. You know, when you're so up until now, the first question is, what is your group? And we got to go beyond that, huh? Yeah. So what is your group? It's very mixed. I have all the kids around. I have Roma kids, gypsies. I have Muslims. I have Catholic. I have Eastern Orthodox. And we don't care. And they don't care what you are? No. Do they know? Of course, we talked about it. But so, that's the thing is, you need to sit and talk about explain the situation and not make it so it doesn't 
sounds so frightening. It's and are okay. the parents are the parents uh, enthusiastic about this? Not so much, but we're getting them. You know, it's uh, when you do these things and when the kids go home, it's very hard to explain to a kid why he or she cannot play with somebody just because... Because his uncle may have been killed by the father of the other kid and now they're having lunch together. Yeah. Difficult. Baggage. Yeah. And we're trying to get rid of it. Do you feel like you're um, making progress in of your course. work? Of course. Of course. And Cameron Hewitt, you've been visiting Mostar for a long time, and you've seen lots of changes. Now, many, I think, would see the city as kind of a memorial to that tragic war that followed the breakup of Yugoslavia. How do you see the city? What does it represent to you? I think the first time I went, which was more than 10 years ago, that it did have that feeling. You still saw quite a lot of bomb damage on the main boulevard. Most of the buildings were still in ruins. And in the intervening years, as I keep going back, it's more becoming a symbol of reconciliation and recovery. And it's really remarkable. I think for a lot of folks, if you plop them down in the middle of Mostar and had them walk around, they might not even realize for a little while that this was a place where this terrible war was fought just 20 years ago. What are the attractions of Mostar beyond its war heritage? The best thing about Mostar is it's a really convenient first bite of Bosnia. I think Bosnia is a wonderful country. It's incredibly rich. There's a lot to see and do there. But Mostar is sort of Bosnian miniature. It's a really quick two, three-hour car ride from some of the big destinations on Croatia's coastline, Dubrovnik and Split. You can be in Mostar. A lot of people actually day trip into Mostar. So I think it's a great chance to kind of get a look at a little taste of Bosnia, see if you like it. And if you like it, there's a lot more to see to go a little, little bit deeper into the country. But if you're only going to Mostar, it's a very pleasant and very rewarding destination on itself. It actually feels, and it was, like a small Turkish town. I mean, when you think about it, most of the city in the, in the center where tourists spend their time was built during the Ottoman Empire. That famous bridge that you referred to was built by Suleiman the Magnificent, the famous Ottoman sultan. And uh, that's, I think, really striking for folks. If you're on the beaches in Croatia, you hop in a car, and in a few hours, you can be walking over this bridge on cobbled streets with kind of a bizarre feeling, like a Turkish bizarre feeling. Like you've gone to a little sample of Turkey right It's there. exactly right. Rather than traveling two days to get to Turkey, you can just travel in a few minutes. Can you there. say that's like the most Western outpost of Ottoman culture we could see easily in our travels? Yeah, I think absolutely. Certainly the most accessible. It's, mm-hmm. it's so quick and so easy. If anything, the other change I've seen recently, if there's any downside to Mostar, it is becoming pretty crowded. You're getting a lot, mm-hmm. a lot of people day tripping in from Croatia. So for that reason, I really recommend spending the night. It's a really a beautiful town after dark. I would think this would suffer as much as any day trip town where it could be really crowded in the middle of the day, but at night it takes on its character again because all of the tour masses and a lot of tour buses, too, I would imagine, are back down on the beach exactly, in Croatia. Right. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're joined by Cameron Hewitt, author of uh, several of our books on Eastern Europe, including Slovenia and Croatia, and Sanil Maric. And Sanil lives right next to Mostar, and he works in an NGO helping kids get over their heritage of sectarian conflicts. And... He also guides tourists around his beautiful country of Bosnia. Our phone number is 877-333-7425. And Ruth is calling from Walnut in California. Hi, Rick. Thanks for taking my call. This past summer, we did go to Mostar. We drove, rented a car, and drove over from Dubrovnik and spent the night. Like Cameron said, it's worth the time and effort to spend the night. And hopefully people have time in their itinerary to do that. It's well worth it. We stayed in a fantastic hotel, which is a lot less expensive than other places in Croatia. And the food is fantastic. You know, Ruth, just from a flat budget point of view and the return on your dollar, Dubrovnik, while great, is, is no budget destination compared to Mostar. And you could stay in nice hotels and eat high on the menu in Mostar and hire a private guide for what you'd spend to slum around Dubrovnik, I think. Exactly. And we did hire a private guide for a couple of hours to take us around so we could understand the history more. And that is 
also very worthwhile. Ruth, tell me about and, this for a moment, because I am the biggest fan of hiring a private guide, even when you're on your own. It seems like a, a splurge kind of thing, a sort of a lavish expense, but it can be a good value. How did you find the guide, and uh, what was that like? We hired a guide from a tour book for two hours, and she walked us around of the city, just explaining the sites, explaining the culture, as well as the religion. And we walked into a mosque and uh, really got some background history, and that's what makes a private guide worthwhile. It's kind of a luxury to be able to ask all the questions and have a you know Bosnian coffee with her and uh, just really connect with the culture for a few hours. And we've done that in almost every single place we visit because we find it worthwhile. How did you do with the Bosnian coffee? Actually, I don't drink coffee, so I didn't try it. And I think we drank the beer. The beer. (laughs) Did you do some shopping? Because there's a beautiful shopping street. Cameron, what's that shopping street above the Uh, bridge? Coppersmith Street. It's a row of just fun little, it's like a Turkish bazaar kind of feel to it. You've got people who actually make hammered copper items. You've got all sorts of other kinds of souvenirs. You also have a lot of former Yugoslavia kitsch, which is kind of fun. If you're fascinated by the Yugoslav period, you've got kind of kitschy T-shirts, you've got old Yugoslav military, kind of army surplus stuff. So there's a, a wide variety. You also have a lot of things you might think of as being more Turkish, like those uh, evil eyes, those white and blue oh, evil yeah. eyes are, are a big item along the Coppersmith Street. Ruth, what was your experience on that shopping street? Well, we ended up in more high-end store just because the exchange rate is so good. And we bought a lot of silver items. So we bought a, a silver Turkish hmm. coffee set. And Or it's actually um, Bosnian coffee. Any Bosnian oh, will make Bosnian. sure. <laughs> 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 they call it Turkish coffee in Turkey, but Bosnian coffee in Bosnia. <laughs> Was it something you had to bargain for the price, or how did they do that? Yes, we bargained and got a great price for it. So hmm. for nice. every, anything that you want to buy, I would definitely bargain All because right. the people are willing to bargain with you. Ruth, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you enjoyed Mostar. Thanks for your call. Thank you. And Laura's calling from Cudahy in Wisconsin. Hi, Laura. Hi. Yeah. Uh, my mother and I, back in 1987, we were visiting friends who lived in Metković and um, what's now Croatia, and they took us all over. And one of the places that they took us to was Mostar. And it was so incredibly different from any place else we had been. And again, it was that Turkish kind of feeling. And going to the marketplace in the bazaar, I ended up buying a copper vase. And just walking over the arch bridge, it was just such a feeling of awe going over that bridge. That bridge is so great. And do you remember the boys that were jumping off the bridge? No, I don't. I I remember seeing that on your show, but I don't remember seeing that when we were there. Okay. When you do go there now, there's a good chance you'll have the boys, kind of like the daredevils from high school, jumping off that arch. Sanal, Uh can you explain, Sanal, this tradition? This tradition is as old as bridge itself, you know, from uh, mid-1500s. So they call themselves now Ikari, according to the Greek mythology. Icarus. Icarus. Icarus, but we say Ikari. Ikari. And uh, they do have a very specific uh, way of jumping, which is widely spread hands. You know, you have to make... Very dramatic. Very dramatic. Kind of a big swan dive. It is a swan dive. That's the perfect description. And you make a splash. You know, you have to make a big splash so you can spray all the pretty girls who are sitting around. That's, you know, (laughs) you are making a statement there. And this has been going on for generations. Yeah, for more than 400 years. For centuries. Yes. And Cameron, it's... 
also it's a little bit of employment for these boys. Yeah, it's really fun to be there as a traveler. You see, every so often if you're sitting on top of the old bridge, you'll see a guy in swim trunks get up and start dancing around and pose like he's about to jump, and then another guy comes and passes the hat. And it can be a little frustrating because it'll take them 15, 20, 30 minutes to get the amount of money they're expecting. And finally, after they do all this teasing and getting up and looking like they're about to dive and then getting back down, finally they get the money they need. And sure enough, someone will actually get up and, and take the plunge. Next time you go, Lori, you'll have to check out the uh, Swan Dive Boys. I will. I'm looking forward to going back to former Yugoslavia and all the different places that there are to see there. Oh, yeah. And Bosnia, in so many ways, is, is the hub of, of all that. Cameron, how tall is that bridge, would you bet, when they're jumping Boy, in? Boy, I forget. Actually, Sun will probably know this. It's actually, uh, there is not accurate because of the level of the Neretva River okay. goes up and down. Mm-hmm. And it's a very tight area that you need to jump because the cliffs are underneath. Yes. So you have to be really a uh, very brave and good and, and good at it. And the other thing is the water is all mountain snow melt. And yeah, it's even, very cold. Yeah, even in the summertime when it, it can be 100 degrees outside, that water is ice cold. And very evocative for me. You stand on the bridge today and you look down in the river and you see the stones of the old bridge. Yep, they've uh, dredged up the old stones and have them right there in the riverbank. Yeah, they took as much as they could from mm-hmm. the original to make bridge, the new one. incorporate oh. in, in, in the old one, and they use pretty much the same technique and the materials. And uh, one of the mm-hmm. fascinating things was made of egg whites. Egg and, whites? Yes. And uh, a little bit of goat's hair. This is how they make this the mass gluing the stone together. Oh, the, mo- the mortar <laughs> is the traditional mortar, yeah. even in today's yeah. rebuild. Yeah. Cameron, did you see that movie uh, that just had a huge impact on me? There's a little memorial room next to the bridge, and I was in there watching during the war, the bomb artillery was hitting that bridge and hitting, and it wouldn't fall. And I was sitting there with a bunch of uh, former Yugoslavians, and finally the old black and white, you know, rough uh, video shows the bridge giving way and crumbling into the river. And it was dramatic to watch it, but what was really dramatic was to be with 50 people from the former Yugoslavia and hear the gasp and the sadness when that bridge finally went down. So now what does that bridge mean to you who lives there? It felt like you have lost a member of your family. Because for a lot of us, you know, that was a symbol that we so easily identified. You know, this was something that we are so proud of. You know, something that was built so many years ago and stood there bringing people together. Symbolizing bringing people yeah. together, a bridge, not a and wall. And all of a sudden, it wasn't even, a, it didn't have any military significance. You know, right. you, why would you go and bomb that bridge? Tragic. So now it's a very complicated thing, but who bombed the bridge? What side wanted it to be coming down? What we have now is uh, evidence. It was done by the part of the Croatian paramilitia that operated in that area. Okay, and they were bombing from a, a nearby hilltop, just yeah. lobbing bombs down yeah. in there. If you study that before your trip, it's a very powerful, powerful experience. But as Cameron said, the big news is when you go there today, it's kind of a celebration. It's a celebration of Bosnian life. You can go there and, if you choose, not even think about the war and be surrounded just by a thriving culture. Let's just finish our discussion with just a suggestion as travelers how you can be in Bosnia when you go to Mostar. Cameron, what, what's a good experience you could have that would kind of cap your, your time in Mostar? One of my favorite things to do anytime in Bosnia is to have something we've discussed a couple times already, a nice, uh, slow Bosnian coffee. And if you have a Bosnian friend or if you hire a local guide, as some people choose to do, they can explain to you that in Bosnian culture, you don't drink coffee just to quickly caffeinate and move on. 
the reason they have this unfiltered Bosnian coffee is that it kind of forces you to take time. If you drink it too fast, you get a mouthful of coffee grounds, right? That'll teach you. Yep. And so uh, <laughs> Bosnians use coffee as an opportunity to slow down, enjoy the conversation, watch life go by. And so I love to find a cafe with a view of that beautiful old bridge. That, mm-hmm. That's such an inspirational sight to see it all rebuilt. And uh, hopefully with a local friend, sit there and just enjoy slowly nursing a Bosnian coffee and thinking about this wonderful culture that exists so close to big tourist destinations that Mm -hmm. are so different on the Croatian coastline. It is remarkable to think that that could exist even so close to all the cruise industry just a couple hours away. And Sanel, when I was in Mostar, I'll never forget the fun, youthful energy on the square that was designed for uh, the embarkation point for pilgrimages, I believe. Mm Mm-hmm. Take us to that square, and what would we find there uh, in the cool early hours of the evening? Well, we're outdoorsy people. I think 90% of our life happens literally outside. You know, talking to your neighbors, which is great. You know all these people, and we just sit there. Somebody brings a coffee or tree or pie, which is a great snack pie. back home. Pie. We, we love pies. We eat pies all the time. Bosnian this is our pie. fast food. What kind of pie? <laughs> Depends. Whether it's a meat, you know. Oh, a savory cheese, pie. savory pie. And sweet pies are not that big of a deal. Okay, as we're talking much as, a, like, of, a, yeah. like the equivalent of Italian pizza. There you go. Yeah. So um, you just sit there, chill, because uh, most of our summer nights can be really, really tropical. Mm-hmm. And you want to be outside. And all the, the young people are out yeah. showing off and uh, having a good time. The old people are there remembering and with their lifetime and friends. today I had a very interesting experience. Uh, actually, yesterday we went with some friends, visited the graves of, of Bruce Lee. Here in the Seattle. Connection, yeah, with that, the youth of Mostar put a full-size statue of Bruce Lee in the main park. <laughs> in Mostar? In Mostar. Because this is their way to say to everybody, you know, we share his values. And what are Bruce Lee's values? I mean, he was a very good man. You know, this is how we are perceived through all of the movies. You know, he had honor. You know, he was honest. He fought for what he believed. He wasn't poisoned by the little things of life, you know. Huh. So they, it was kind of a, their way of sending a message to our government, you know. So you Bruce Lee celebrated in Bosnia that the very people much. are strong. The people have the truth very on their much. side. And you can celebrate that on the big square. You're going to see a very beautiful bronze statue of Bruce Lee. Mostar. Yeah. Son of marriage. Cameron Hewitt, thanks so much for sharing your expertise Thank on you Mostar. for having us. Thank you very much. Each year, Rick Steves Tour Guides take thousands of free-spirited travelers on escorted tours through Europe, one small group at a time. This year, you can choose from more than 40 different vacations in Europe's best destinations, from Ireland to Greece, and practically everywhere in between. Begin your next trip at ricksteves.com.